A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. I will shortly leave the job that it has been the honour of my life to hold. The second female Prime Minister, but certainly not the last. I do so with no ill will, but with enormous and enduring gratitude to have had the opportunity to serve the country I love. Well, a uh, Prime Minister's voice breaking Well, there, uh, that was perhaps one of the most emotional speeches I think I've ever seen any Prime Minister make. Um, clearly very, very much emotionally affected by what she's just said. Uh, to confirm, Theresa May has stepped down as the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom and she will leave as leader on 7th of June, uh, as we sort of predicted. Ross Kempster's here with me. Ross, that was quite a moment. A massive, extraordinary moment in British politics which has been expected and which has been bubbling for months. The Prime Minister finally giving up. She was breaking up, her voice was breaking as she said that she is leaving the job that she loved, that she said has been her honour to hold. She identified as her achievements in that statement, jobs, housing, the environment. She touched upon again the burning injustices which she identified as her policy priority when she became Prime Minister in her first speech on the 13th of July 2016. 1,045 days later, Theresa May leaves office. She says she will step down formally on the 7th of June. Two weeks away. Two weeks away. Mm. A Tory leadership election will take place from the following week. That means around the 10th of June. The Tory leadership election is likely to last into the middle of July. So this is the early timetable that the 1922 committee executive asked for. It means that there will be a new prime minister in number 10, almost certainly by the middle of July. It is an extraordinary moment in modern British political history. The reason for that is this prime minister, she made her own project of Brexit. She made the deal her own. She made it her entire political life and the failure to pass that deal three times as the prime Mm -hmm. minister said in that speech has brought her down she said i have done everything i can i have tried three times she said she believed it was the right thing to do she touched on a quote from a constituent saying that compromise is the right thing in life so to the end theresa may attempting to push forward her vision for a compromise on the brexit deal for a compromise on the british political situation which the prime minister said in that statement where she announced that she would be stepping down on the 7th of June has become difficult, that the British political situation has become essentially, she said, 
unpleasant. And that is a legacy which no Prime Minister would want to leave. And her legacy, unfortunately for her, as you say, is one of failure, abject failure. And you can't help but feel a little bit sorry for her as this day passes, because clearly she didn't want to go. She clearly wanted to stay and try to finish the job, but it became totally and utterly untenable. Uh, we're watching her husband, Philip, uh, watching her now on TV. And you can see that he had, had probably spent many, many hours with her trying to either find out whether she could carry on, whether she should leave, whether it was better for her to leave. There was no doubt that she was absolutely devastated by uh, that particular announcement and having to say that she's out uh, for two weeks. Ross, please stay with us. We're going to be covering this all throughout the day because it is a massive political story. It is a massive personal story as well of a woman who has had nothing else in her life apart from politics, really, since she entered Parliament and before that in 1997. Let's talk to Colonel Bob Stewart, who is, of course, a Tory MP for Beckenham in South East. London. He's been in Parliament since 2010. Uh, Colonel Bob, very good morning to you. Welcome. Um, Hello, Mike and Ross. It's, it's, a, it's a sad day for Theresa May. Will there be private rejoicing going on in the ranks of the Tory party? Well, <clears throat> I can only speak for myself. I think, firstly, it's a sad day for her um, because, actually, the one thing is she's done her very best. Uh, I don't agree with the way she's tackled it, but she's done her very best. And uh, I don't, frankly, stamp on uh, someone when they're down. I actually think uh, we should have sympathy. But you're right on the second part. Uh, there, will be, there will be a certain amount of pleasure that actually we can change the situation and get on with doing something else and another approach to Brexit. Yeah, I mean, is it possible that, it, that, that somebody else can take it on? I mean, we've talked about this, you and I, uh, uh, amongst others, many, many times in the tent of shame and in other places. We are now in what I'm calling the palace of pain inside the news building, so you must come and visit us here. But basically, is it, is it possible that nobody can, can find a way out of this particular Brexit conundrum that we find ourselves in? Well, look, um, as, as you know, as both of us have discussed this before, um, the, there would be huge discontent if we didn't leave the European Union. I think most people accept that. Most yeah. people in Parliament accept that. So we've got to leave the European Union. Now, we have got the date of the 31st of October. Now, I'm one of the people, uh, you know, 320-odd. I'm not sure it's going down when, you know, you look at other people leaving the Conservative Party. Around about 320 MPs that would decide which of two people will be on the ballot paper that goes to party members to decide who the next prime minister is. One of the things I will, I will want to know from whoever I support is that they have absolute intention to carry out the um, agreement, the referendum deal, which was to leave the European Union. Now, I am very happy to leave the European Union on a deal, but not a deal at any cost. I followed Mrs May and she said... No deal is better than a bad deal. Well, it is clearly a very bad deal what her, you know, the one she's put on the table mm. three times, and maybe she was trying for a fourth time um, with amendments. But frankly, that doesn't work because the, what we had in that deal was that we were neither in the European Union nor out of it. We were in a sort of no man's mm. land, and we were paying for the, you know, the joy of being in the European yeah. Union, but not having any say in, in how it was run. That seemed to me uh, appalling and a very bad deal. So we come back now to the situation where 
uh, no deal looms because, um, frankly, it's not a no deal. It's a we we will manage the deal, and that's what I want—a managed deal that actually we will get out of the European Union on terms that will be satisfactory to both of us. And I think if we approach it that we are leaving on the, Europe, uh, the European Union on the 31st of October, and the new leader of the Conservative Party, um, when he or she, we don't know yet, is in position by the, by the end of July, must actually satisfy the likes of me to say, look, we have got to get out of the European Union. Where, whether I voted to remain or stay, uh, to leave, it's rather irrelevant. We guaranteed the British people in 2016 that they would decide what happened. We went to them, they made their decision. It, it is wrong. One of the reasons for the failure of Mrs May is that she has failed to actually deliver what we, the Conservative Party, and by the way, the Labour Party mm. too, promised would happen, which is Brexit. And that Brexit was supposed to have happened after signing Article 50. I seem to be going on a long time, forgive me. <laughs> That's all right. That seems to be... That, that was the 29th of March. I was prepared to support Mrs May up to a point until the 29th of March. But when that date came and went, and she said, we will be leaving on the 29th of March... We will, you know, no deal is better than a bad deal. Well, we had a atrocious deal, but Mrs. May was selling it as a good deal. I have to say that is probably the reason why we've come to this rather sorry situation. And as I say, and I started with this, I'm I'm very sorry that it's come to this. Let's just have another listen to to the end of that speech. I will shortly leave the job that it has been the honour of my life to hold. The second female prime minister but certainly not the last. I do so with no ill will, but with enormous and enduring gratitude to have had the opportunity to serve the country I love. Tom Brake is the Lib Dem Brexit spokesman. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Very emotional, Theresa May. Some have accused her of not being emotional enough. Um, I don't know whether that was her downfall, but the question for you is, I suppose, does this confirm your belief uh, as the Brexit spokesman for the Lib Dems uh, that Brexit doesn't work? Well, uh, what it confirms is that whoever the Tories select as their candidates and the, the future prime minister, they're going to have a huge problem on their hands because uh, the numbers game won't change. They got completely bogged down in trying to deliver Brexit. So whoever inher inherits this poison chalice is going to have exactly the same problems as the outgoing prime minister. And does it strengthen your hand as a Remainer, I suppose, is the, is the next question? No, I'm not convinced it does, because it's very clear that the positioning that is going to go on by the different Conservative Party leadership candidates is very much about positioning in relation to their own party membership. It's not actually about positioning themselves in relation to the country. It's who can adopt the hardest line to attract the support of party members that they will need for the second round when the 20-plus candidates have been whittled down to two. And therefore, I think we will hear lots of statements about the, the merits of no deal. 
uh, notwithstanding what the Chancellor said about that a couple of days ago. So, no, I, I, I think we've got a, a, a battle royal ahead of us. And what will the Lib Dems kind of uh, be aiming for now? More likely a second referendum, which is less likely now, you'd have to say, if a Brexiteer uh, Prime Minister comes into play, or uh, would you like to see um, a general election? Well, a general election in terms of the numbers might not make any difference, although if the council election results are anything to go by and uh, what we expect to be the European elections, we might quite look forward to that. But uh, realistically, I think it's still the, uh, the case for a second referendum is getting stronger. And it may be that the, even if the, the, the Conservatives select a hard Brexiter, that that person may see still that the only way to unblock this, uh, you know, this, this uh, gridlock or to, to, to deal with this gridlock is to link whatever deal they try to negotiate and manage to secure with the European Union, because I doubt it'll be the one that the Prime Minister negotiated, to link that to a, a referendum. And that's the way they can put together enough uh, members of Parliament who support the Prime Minister's deal with enough members of Parliament who support uh, a, a second referendum. But we're stuck now, are we not, Tom, in, in this kind of maelstrom uh, of, you know, no real uh, sort of appetite for any one particular thing. And I'm not sure that we'll ever move on from that now. You know, are we destined, for example, to have uh, a lifetime of coalition government for the rest of time? Well, what, if we're not careful, what we will have uh, is the likelihood of, a, uh, of no deal. Uh, just looking at, um, uh, at the numbers in terms of how many days are left in Parliament before we reach the 31st of October, there are roughly 51 sitting days left. We're about to have a Tory leadership contest in the middle of it. We end up with, at my reckoning, just 22 days left in which Parliament can come to an agreement before uh, crashing out on the 30th, 31st of October. So that is what we're up against. A couple of tweets for you. You can tweet us, of course, at Talk Radio, at IROMG. Uh, Dave says this, at last Theresa May reveals a bold plan the country can unite behind her resignation. And Steve says, uh, listening to the Tories this morning just shows a change of Prime Minister will not resolve anything now. They're all tainted by this mess, and as a lifelong Tory, I have changed my allegiance. The next Prime Minister has to get a majority, and that means a general election. Uh, we've got lots more to do. Alberto Costa coming up very shortly, Conservative MP uh, for South Leicestershire. Uh, Ross Kempsell is here, though. Ross? Just going to bring you a few bits of reaction coming in yeah. from across the top of the Tory party. In the last few moments, the Prime Minister's chief whip, Julian Smith, who will remain the chief whip while uh, the Prime Minister is in Downing Street until the 7th of June. He says compromises facing all MPs on Brexit are now set in sharp relief. They should not be delayed and need to be addressed now in the best interests of the UK. So no hint on who he's backing. But uh, and, and In fact, one of the fascinating elements is all of the top cabinet ministers, many of them want to have a go yeah. at the leadership. They're going to have to keep quiet, presumably, until the 10th of June, until the Prime Minister has actually formally resigned. Now, uh, Boris Johnson, words coming in from him. He says a very dignified statement from Theresa May. Thank you for your stoical service to our country and the Conservative Party. It is now time to follow her urgings to come together and deliver Brexit. So magnanimous words from Boris Johnson and an attempt to, I think, portray himself as not being one of those to seem to wield the mm. axe. That has been a well, key Well, he's already concern. wielded it, hasn't he? I mean, that's why she's gone. <laughs> well, uh, the, Boris Johnson saying a dignified statement, praising the Prime Minister for her stoical service to the country and the Conservative Party. More reaction coming in as we get it from those 
figures. Of course, Ross, thank you very much indeed. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. This is Talk Radio. Theresa May has announced that she will stand down as leader on June the 7th. That means she'll still be here when Donald Trump visits. That means she will still be around for the next two weeks in Downing Street. But what is the point? That's the question I want to know the answer to. 0344 499 1000. Let's talk to Alberto Costa, uh, Conservative MP uh, for South Leicestershire. Alberto, very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Every time I'm on the radio show with you, something big is happening. <laughs> well, do you know what they say? Uh, Alberto, they say it's better to be lucky than good. We were standing around at half past <laughs> nine this morning uh, saying, just hold on till 10 o'clock, just bring it to our show. And she very much did that. And it's the first time, uh, as I say, rather slightly tongue-in-cheek from a, a listener there on the tw Twitter, she's finally united the country by resigning. Yes. Well, look, I don't think there was much uh, surprise in the Prime Minister's statement today. I've loyally supported the Prime Minister. As you know, we've had these talks mm. on your excellent show before. Mike, my position has been that she has tried very hard to reach a reasonable compromise. It's an imperfect deal. For those strong Leave voters, they were unhappy with it. With those strong Remain voters, they were unhappy with it. But actually, the bulk of the Conservative Party voted for it in the parliamentary party. Mm. I voted for it three times. And I think the difficulty is this. Whoever now takes over the leadership of the Conservative Party must understand that the first duty now is to unite the country. And by uniting the country, I don't mean getting everybody onto the same page, but at least helping to explain what is in the best interests of the United Kingdom. Mm. Whilst and we must respect the referendum result... We must do so in a way that does not cut our nose to spite our face. We must leave the European Union, uh, to use Theresa's words, in a smooth and orderly manner. And that's what I'm going to be looking for in terms of the leadership candidates. And those are great words, Alberto, and I'm sure that many of your fellow uh, colleagues will be saying them. However, nothing's actually changed in terms of what we are presented with and the numbers that we have in Parliament uh, and the arithmetic that people talk about all the time and the dissatisfaction with the current deal which supposedly has been handed to us by Brussels. So do we have to go back to Brussels to get a better deal? Well, I think once we get the results of the European uh, elections... And once we have a new leader in place, I think that will galvanise the parliamentary party and the party members. We will rally round whoever he or she is elected as the leader. And remember, it's very likely that on this occasion, the leader will ultimately be elected by the members. Those very people that have been unhappy with the way in which things have proceeded over the last uh, six or so months. Mm. So I why I would say this, the arithmetic of the House of Commons will only change, I think, not necessarily with a new deal, because that's not going to happen. The way I think the, the parliamentary arithmetic will change in the House of Commons is with the new leader genuinely and charismatically and reasonably stretching out the hands to the country and saying, look, whilst our previous leader talked about Brexit, meaning Brexit and leave, meaning leave and all this, these political slogans, the reality is this that we must leave the European Union in a manner that both is palatable to Leave supporters as well as Remain supporters. Albeit that Leave won by a small majority, we must respect democracy, but do so in a calm and orderly manner. No new leader will take this country out without a legal arrangement with the EU, and no new leader will revoke Article 50. So the only way that Brexit is going to be delivered ultimately is by having a deal 
that is palatable to both sides. Ross Kempsell, sitting here with me, political editor at Talk Radio, has said that this might bring us closer to a general election, Alberto. Would you fear that? I never fear the British people. I've stood in two general elections. I increased my majority at the last election, and I worked very hard for the people of South Leicestershire, along with a very good team. My message is this, that Parliament has the responsibility to deliver Brexit. Theresa was a very resilient politician. She's a very sincere person. But I think we would all agree that she didn't perhaps have the necessary or requisite charisma to encourage those individuals in my party, let alone those individuals across the floor who didn't support her deal, to support it. And I think whoever comes next will basically be bringing back a very similar deal. But I think they will package it and present it and encourage other MPs to vote for it by using their charisma. And have you decided who you're going to back for leader? I'm going to back the leader that fulfils the criteria I've just mentioned, Mike, and that ultimately unites the country. So that would be uh, Michael Gove then? I supported Michael Gove three years ago. I certainly thought then that he was the best person for the job. I think I've been proved right. And uh, once he declares, and he's not officially declared, so I can't officially back someone that's not officially <laughs> declared, but were he to declare, I think looking at the known potential leadership candidates right now, I think he would have a very good story to tell as to why he might be the best person to do that. But I'll, I'll be looking equally at the, um, the CVs and positions of the other candidates. 
But we will know on Sunday night, coming into Monday morning, precisely what sort of a hammering the traditional two parties have taken, and maybe the three parties, and how big and how massive the swing has been to independent and smaller parties. Let's talk to Peter Dowd, uh, who's Labour MP for Bootle, to see what he makes of it all. Peter, very good morning to you. Good morning to you. A momentous day uh, in politics, no matter which side of the aisle you, you sit on, Peter. Um, is this a good thing for you guys as Labour in opposition? Uh, is there going to be a general election? Uh, and what do you think uh, Theresa May will be remembered for? Well, first and foremost, it's got to be about the country. I know that sounds hackney, but it's got to be about the country. It can't be about Labour, it can't be about the Tories. And the problem that we've had for well, two or three years in getting into the referendum, it was about the Tory party, and it's about time it was about the country. So that's why I support a general election. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is that the Prime Minister talked earlier on about Sir Nicholas Winton, who told her, uh, this humanitarian, who told her that compromise wasn't a dirty word. Well, here we've had three years of complete and unadulterated lack of compromise and consensus from the Prime Minister. And that's why she's in the position that she's in. And as far as I'm concerned, what the Tories do, um, as a party and who they pick is completely a matter for them. Frankly, whoever they choose is going to be a continuation of the disaster and the chaos that um, we've been brought to. The country's more divided now than mm. it has been when she took over as Prime Minister. I mean, there must be part of you, Peter, and part of, of, of the Labour Party that would have liked her to stay on. I know that that would be very self-serving and it wouldn't have been perhaps in the interest of the country, uh, but she was doing an awful lot of good for the Labour Party. Well, I think it's a question of whether she was doing good for the country. That's the question. It's not whether it's good for the Labour Party or anybody, any other political party, including her own. It's about whether or not this is in the national interest. And the way she's handled it, it hasn't been in the national interest. And, the, and history will say that. I can say that before history is even written. That's what they will say about this Prime Minister. She was incapable of reaching out to anybody else other than a small group of people in her party. And that has been uh, damaging and, and really regrettable. Now, if the Tories don't want to have a general election, can you force them into it? How, and, and if so, how would you do that? Well, I think that we've got to make the case for the general election. Look, we had a Tory party leader resigning, what, three years ago. She took over in 2017, effectively lost the majority, made a mess of everything since... We've got to say a repeat of this is not acceptable. You're going to have to go to the country to get a sheep. If they believe, the Tories believe they can get a mandate from the country, have the courage of their convictions and go. She claimed that she wasn't going to have a general election last time. As soon as she thought she was going to win it, all right, it suddenly changed all the, you know, this we don't want the instability of a general election. As soon as she thought she was going to win it, to get a bigger majority, she went for it. It's time for another general election. We've got to pursue that and persist with that. And are you worried that Brexit as an issue has divided the country in such a way that it will also kind of divide and, and conquer, if you like, the two-party system that we currently have in Parliament? Well, that's a big question. I mean, this is pretty unprecedented, isn't it? But mm. what we've got to be able to do... So I don't know the answer to that question. Again, I, used, I referred to history before. Only history will tell... Um, we'd already had a so-called decline in the two-party system for many, many years. The last election tended to reverse that. I think the Brexit situation has sort of put that, you know, the, the multifaceted approach to parties maybe back on the agenda. I don't know, but what I'm clear about, I know what my manifesto says, what my values say, and I'm more than happy to take that to the country as our lots 
of my colleagues to make the case for Labour's manifesto. Coming up next, we're going to be talking to, to Mark Francois, amongst others, lots and lots of uh, MPs, lots of other Tories and Labour members uh, of Parliament, of course. Uh, also got a great uh, tweet here uh, from, from Jim, who says, Theresa May uh, claiming her legacy was giving a voice to the voiceless, as if she's Nelson Mandela or someone. Well, it does seem a little bit over the top. I will say, though, uh, the tears that she shed and was clearly about to shed massively uh, as she walked away from the podium outside of Downing Street were very genuine, very heartfelt, uh, because this is her life and this is now the end of her political life, it would seem. She's got two more weeks in Downing Street and then that's it. I mean, no doubt she'll be elevated to the House of Lords at some point, but there is nothing worse than going from being the top dog, whether you're not doing a very good job or not, and finding yourself on the back benches uh, of Parliament. Let's talk to Marc Francois, uh, who is, of course, Vice Chair uh, of the European Research Group. Uh, Marc has been, um, I would say, campaigning for a harder Brexit all the way through. Uh, all of the uh, meaningful votes that Theresa May has had uh, has not been something that he has gone along with. Mark, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Thank you for uh, taking Hi. the time to talk to us. This is a very momentous day, of course, not only for Theresa May and the Tory party, but for the country as well. Uh, the big question I'm being asked by lots of people is, can anyone get us out of Europe? I believe so. Um, uh, I think what is going to be different is, I believe, when the Conservative Party picks a new leader, and it's ultimately a decision for our party members in the country, but I believe they're almost overwhelmingly likely to pick a Brexiteer. And that was, that's a fundamental change because we can leave on the 31st of October. That's the default position. We don't need any other legislation to do it. We don't need the withdrawal agreement. And if we have a prime minister and a cabinet that really believe in leaving, that is a game changer. And do you think the, the, the right candidate, though, with the right kind of uh, ideas on Brexit, will have enough support from everybody else? Because the mathematics hasn't really changed. If anything, the Tory party is less powerful than it was when Theresa May started this process. And, and in many ways, the, uh, the, the Brexit argument is more fractured. Well, I think, and I'm going to make a sort of prediction here, but I could be wrong. You know, the, the, the people have voted in the European elections. You know, those votes are now locked up in the ballot boxes and we start opening them on Sunday when the rest of Europe uh, finish voting. So whatever I say now won't change the votes in the ballot boxes, but I believe it will be a complete tsunami. It's going to be a tidal wave. And I think that will change the attitude of some members of Parliament in the House of Commons mm. who up to this point are very blatantly been doing everything they can to frustrate Brexit. I think one of the, you know, the lessons of these results when we get them are going to be that, you know, MPs that carry on like that will be swept away. So I think that may change attitudes sufficiently that MPs stop stop resisting Brexit in the House of Commons. Now the, you know, legally the default position is that we can leave on the 31st of October without any other legislation at all. Uh, the only thing legally that can stop that now is either, A, if we ask the EU for a further extension, because they can't extend against our will. Mm. And if we don't do that, then the only other thing that can stop it is an act of Parliament to override it, the so-called... Cooper Bowles Letwin bill that was designed to stop Brexit only got through last time literally by one vote. So I think after the European election results, it will be very difficult for the ardent Remainers in Parliament 
to get such an act of parliament through to stop Brexit against the will of the people. And therefore, I think there's a good if we pick a the critical thing is to pick a leader who really believes in leaving in their heart and soul. And if they do that and appoint a cabinet, you know, that believe in leaving, then I think we, we, there's now a better than 50 percent chance we can leave on Halloween. Now, given uh, your opposition to Theresa May and her version of Brexit, uh, would you consider yourself to be the architect of her downfall? No, I, 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 I think, if I'm honest, she was the architect of her downfall. Because, um, you know, it, it's true, I've been a persistent critic. I, I can't now be a hypocrite and say I wasn't. I was. Um, but, you know, when I wrote my first letter to Sir Graham Brady, and I published it so people knew what I'd done, I entitled it, she just doesn't listen. And I'm afraid, you know, that may turn out to be her epitaph because all the way through this process, she hasn't listened to her own party. And that, unfortunately, is what's led to the events of today. It is on one level tragic, but it had to happen because she was trying to pursue a policy effectively of keeping us in the European Union against the will of her party and of the people. And would you say that you're proud to have been part of that movement that has now perhaps taken back control of the party for those who want to leave the European Union properly? Well, uh, I, I, I think it's fair to say that whatever people think of me, I, 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 you know, I've now my colours to the mast on this one. I think I've been hopefully consistent throughout. I've always believed we had to honour the result of the referendum and I've campaigned pretty tirelessly to that end. So... You know, when we do leave the European Union, when we do honour the results of the referendum, when we do democratically obey the order that the people who elect us as MPs gave us to carry out on their behalf, then I will celebrate the fact that we've left the EU. Will you celebrate tonight that Theresa May's out of Downing Street, or do you have any sympathy uh, for her? She was clearly very upset. Look, as I say, it is it is a tragic situation. Um, uh, but having called for her so publicly to go, I can't now pretend that I didn't. So do I regret her going? No. I, I believe she had to go, and I believe ultimately she brought it upon herself. Do I realise that this is a very sad occasion? Yes, I do. And who will you back for leader next? I, I genuinely have not decided... Um, uh, I haven't decided who I'm going to pass, pass my vote for. I mean, the best summary today, I think, was Robert Halfon, my great mate, the MP for Harlow, who was asked on the Today programme, when we get to the leadership, Robert, what's it going to be like? And he said it'll be like the chariot race scene in Ben-Hur. There'll be a <laughs> cast of thousands. Yeah, there'll be a bit of death as well, I imagine. Well, uh, we can argue over who is Marcellus. Uh, well, but, we can, but, yeah. You know, but, you know, the, the important thing is... Um, whoever wins, because it will ultimately go to our party members, I believe they will pick a Brexiteer, but I don't know which one. But the important thing for the unity of our party, and indeed for the direction of the country, is that whoever that person is, they have the support of the, the ordinary members of the Conservative Party so that they can turn around to all Tory MPs, whether they voted for them or not, and say, I know not everyone or not all of you voted for me, but I do have the support of the party members, so you must at least give me a chance to lead. And, Jer and I think that's, 
you know, that's a, that's a reasonable ask, isn't it? It is. And Jeremy Corbyn, uh, finally, Mark, has said that when the new Tory leader is appointed, uh, there should be a general election. Do you agree with him? Well, no, not necessarily. But, I mean, if the Queen appoints the new leader as Prime Minister, then I suspect, you know, that they, they, the Labour Party will test their authority with a vote of confidence in the House of Commons. Now, if that new Prime Minister wins a vote of confidence, and we would, of course, need the support of our DUP allies to do that, I realise that, then I think they should be given a chance, you know, to form a, to form a government and to focus on leading us out of the European Union. If Parliament continues to try and frustrate that, then you might have to have a general election to settle the matter. But I hope, we, as I, for the reasons I've explained earlier, I hope clearly to your listeners, I think we can leave on Halloween without having to have a general election. OK. Mark, thanks very much indeed. Tory MP Mark Francois, Vice-Chair of the ERG. We're going to go to the calls in a moment. Loads of you want to get on. You will get on. 0344 499 1000. Ross Kempsell's here with me. Um, Ross, what did you make of what Mark had to say? Fairly fair, I think, in his assessment of, uh, of what happened. Um, he has, of course, had got to acknowledge that, that he has been anti-Theresa May from the beginning. Uh, but she did bring it on herself. Many MPs have been. Many MPs have been publicly critical of the Prime Minister for many, many months and a key part of the kind of political uh, roadmap that led us to today's resignation or today's resignation promise or statement is simply that the Prime Minister has been out of control of her own party, out of control of her own cabinet. She has not been able to engender message discipline uh, for MPs for months, really. And, and it started with a series of high-profile cabinet walkouts, Boris Johnson, Dominic Raab, Many other high-profile resignations. The Prime Minister has suffered, I think, 36 ministerial resignations this year. I was going to say, it's up year. around about 40, isn't it, since the beginning? Yeah, and an extraordinarily high number for any Prime Minister, even one dealing with such a challenging mm. policy issue. Uh, of course, untested in the history of kind of modern British politics, having to deal with something like this, I think you could make an argument. But at the same time, an extraordinary rate at which to be hemorrhaging government ministers. Clearly a government which was never as promised strong and stable, which since the 2017 general election, although warned against a coalition of chaos turned out to be chaos itself on many many occasions and we've sat each other opposite each other many times on days where the government has seemed to be in disarray i've lost count of the number of times where i've sat here and thought goodness i just mm. do not know how we are operating on an hour by hour basis yes. and theresa may even in her resignation even you know promise of resignation even then we were operating on a on a time scale of theresa may's in a room with her husband making the decision and even her senior advisors don't know that was the position last night mm. it's become a sign of just how insular the top of downing street has become that even those who have given sort of their right arm for theresa may profession professionally didn't have an idea of what she was going to yeah. say until she came and said it this morning and senior ministers couldn't even get in to see her. Let's go to the phones. Malcolm uh, is in Oxford. Hello, Malcolm. Hello, Mike. How are you hey, doing? Yeah, very well indeed. What would you like to say? Well, I'd just like to say that uh, I don't, I don't feel at all sorry for Theresa May, our Prime Minister. Um, I listened to her speech on the steps of Downing Street. I thought she was sounded very pathetic, personally. Really, didn't have any sort of shred of sympathy. No, whatsoever. No, because okay. she is an architect of her own downfall. Mm. What do you think she um, should have done? What she should have done was stuck to her original plan. And uh, she, I wouldn't say she compromised. I would say she sold this country down mm. the river, sold us out. Do you feel as though her negotiations were just a bit of a sham, really? I wouldn't even call them negotiations. When you undermine two of your Brexit secretaries, questions have to be asked. Mm. 
Yeah. You do wonder. I mean, I'd, I'd like to say that I think she was misguided rather than deliberately kind of conspiratorial. Because I don't think she's that. she's been that cynical to, to well, try to keep us in uh, in the best way that she could while pretending all the while that she was leaving. I think she just tried... To, I think she just tied herself up in knots, to be honest. Well, you can't bat for both sides. No. It's as simple as that. I am a lo- was a lifetime Labour voter. Okay. In 2017, I switched to the Conservative Party because I was misled by Theresa May saying she was strong and stable. I was actually on one of the Conservative election leaflets um, in, my, in the constituency that I'm in. Mm. And I've never felt so let down by a politician as I have been by Theresa May. Yeah, it's an interesting because point she of view. Is and far I, from strong and stable. Yeah, I think a lot of people would share that view, Malcolm. Thank you very much indeed uh, for sharing it with us. We've got lots, lots more to do. Uh, many, many more people to speak to, including many of you, of course. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. The big question now is, who do you think should be next? Who, if anyone, can take us out of the European Union in the way that will actually mean we have left it, rather than the fact remaining that we are still in it while having left. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Got lots of uh, tweets coming in at Talk Radio, at IROMG. Many of you, of course, uh, think that uh, there should be some kind of merger done uh, between uh, the Brexit party and the Tories. Stephen says, if Boris Boris Johnson does win uh, the leadership contest in the event of a general election, uh, Nigel Farage might help the Tories stay in power by only fielding his Brexit party candidate in areas where Labour supporters voted to leave the EU. I can't see Labour winning a general election. Well, um, it's by no means a certainty either way. Let's go to the phones, though. John, uh, first of is in Brighton. Hello, John. Sir. Yeah, well, hi. Good hey. afternoon. Yeah, I good afternoon. Sorry. Thank you very much for calling. What's up? Yeah, I, I just want to say about obviously Mrs. May. Look, um, I have got absolutely no sorrow at all that she's resigned. Okay. She's had these crocodile tears. Did she have any tears for the people who've lost their jobs in the steel industry because she because her government wouldn't bail them out, and yet they bailed out the bankers? Uh, has she got any tears for the people of Britain that suffered austerity? for all these years, and yet the bankers and also the city haven't suffered at all? Has she got any sympathy uh, of tears for the people that she's wrecked in the NHS and destroying all the public services, and so people have to pay twice for what they should have only to pay once for in their taxes and insurance? I'm sorry, I think this has all been about, I'm afraid, the own particular Tory party and what they call the IG group, sorting things out for themselves. Now, it is not democratic that we should have a situation where now we have got actually two leaders that will be chosen to be Prime Minister by the Tory party. We need a general election firstly. As far as just quickly about Brexit's concerned, I voted to stay, but I'm a Democrat. We leave, and we should have left. If there was no deal done, we should have left with WTO terms. Do you think we should have... John, do you think we should have a general election before uh, October the 31st, which is the date at which we're supposed to leave one way or the other? I think, I think, well, the, the situation will be this. I think if, if for example, if, if, say, Boris Johnson gets, uh, gets elected to be, obviously, the Tory leader, he will become Prime Minister. Mm. He is obviously a Brexiteer. 
Now, he will go for a no-deal anyway, I suspect, because he doesn't want a situation where we have negotiated certain things about workers' rights and everything else with the EEC. It's in his interest to get us to go to a WTO rules. But why wait till uh, July, uh, sorry, October the 31st? What we should have is, yes, let the Tories get their election done, get their leaders sorted out, wherever they want, and then as soon as whoever that is, we call a general election and let's have the people decide. Now, personally, I think the Tory party's finished. I think they've been split so badly with the likes of Brexit and those who are Brexiteers are ones that are not. That's why Mrs May couldn't actually get um, anything through. She's had help, obviously, from the DUP, who were given a lot of money just because of the fact they were supporting the Tory party. Now, I wonder would that actually have happened the same if it was any, any other party? I very much doubt it. Mm. No, I'm I think I, I think I, you're I, absolutely right. No, listen, but the other problem for people who, who are against having a general election is that they say all that would happen now, particularly because Brexit is such a divisive issue, is that we would have another hung parliament, even if it was won by Jeremy Corbyn or the Tories. Whoever won it, it would be another minority government, which unfortunately doesn't seem to work. Well, I'm afraid, I'm afraid we all said about the fact that years ago that we wanted to have a two, a non-two-party system. Mm. I'm afraid now we're starting to get that. Now, I'm afraid, and I'm not necessarily agreeing that we should have one or not, but the point is, I always look at the example of Italy. Italy have had minority governments for the last 13, 14 periods of time. We used to make fun it, of Italy. Well, exactly, but here we are again. <laughs> you know, we're, we're Britain, I'm sorry, we're Britain. You know, I respect everybody else, but the point is we should have leaders who are accountable to the country. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you're not, and I'm not saying this. Mrs May, and I'm not having a personal go at her, but her husband owns a hedge fund of, what is it, 12 billion he owns? Is he anything or her anything to do with the ordinary working class person in this country? No. And that is the problem we've got in this country. People uh, who, who basically make the wealth in this country, and I know they say, oh, it's always the, the, the managers and the bosses do it. It's the actual workers who put the graft in. Now, we're the ones that produce the profit. We're the ones that pay our taxes, unlike some of the upper class who do not pay their taxes. Well, now you've just turned it into some kind of mad communist rant, John. The bottom line is, is that actually the City of London pays the bulk of taxes in this country and provides most of the income for the government in this country. So don't give me that old cobblers for a start. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's 12.46. It's Friday. It's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Some new music for the new studios as well. This is, of course, the first inaugural Perrier Awards in uh, the new building, in the new studio. First time that you, Mr. Con Mendez, uh, has been inside this brand spanking new brilliant studio. What do you make of it? It's very nice, yeah. Thank you for dressing up, by the way. That's all right. You're, you're Heaven's welcome. sake. Uh, should we begin? Let's do it. Yes, you're listening to the Immovable Perry Awards. <laughs> Every Friday we Fantastic. look back over the past week of the so-called Independent Republic of Mike Graham so cool. and choose our favourite moments. And what a historical week. Mm. It's been tough, draining, yes. emotional, uh -huh. but Cholton are finally through to the <laughs> League One playoff final. 
this It was so Sunday. bad you had to take the day Come off on yesterday. You reds, yeah. Um, oh, and all the Theresa May stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, it's been quite a busy day at Talk Radio, so this week's awards may sound unusually shambolic okay. and ill-prepared. Okay, then. Uh, but it's an honour to serve. There. It's an honour to serve the Office of the Pair Awards, and I will soldier on. Let's begin. Yes, do it. Our first pair award, as is tradition, goes to you, Mike. Thank you. Uh, it's not a good one to win, though. No. It's the creepiest comment of the week, <laughs> which was made to our sleep expert, Lisa Artis. Uh, let's talk to Lisa Artis, who is a sleep advisor at the Sleep Council, because I don't know what you wear to bed. <laughs> oh, come on, that's not fair. I was I was prepping her for the sunglasses conversation. I can't remember. Um, Were you off that day? Uh, no, I was, oh, okay. I was asleep in sunglasses. Oh. Um, noise of the week now, and if memory serves I feel as if I've been right, stitched up there. Well, if we didn't take clips out of context, we wouldn't have yeah. this feature. Okay. So, um, uh, noise of the week, and if my memory serves <laughs> me right, uh, it's the second week in a row that this has been won by LaDonna Harvey. They compost them and turn them into nutrient-rich soil, um, which, you know... <laughs> This is the composting of human beings. Yeah. Not, uh, we were all making that noise. Yeah, this is, it was it. It was correct noise to make. Yes. Uh, listener of the week now, mm. and by this I mean more literally as the person who's made sure to be listening when on the phone. That goes to Aaron in Kent, who managed twice to miss his cue. Let's go to Aaron, who's in Kent, who wants to talk about uh, Amber Rudd and Matt Hancock and the centre ground. Aaron, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Hello. Hi, Aaron. It's Mike Graham here. Yeah. What would you like to say hello, to hello, Andrew? Mike. The other thing I would say to Aaron is, is that if Jeremy Corbyn was to be honest, Jeremy Corbyn comes from that very left wing of the Labour Party, which hates the European Union and always did. But he's now too frightened to admit that. Um, is that to me, Mike? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I've, I've, I've developed into that terrible habit of just making loads and loads of words and putting them all together and making out that it's some kind of question. Mm, yeah, no, it's, it's good. You it's, like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I should like do it. more of that, yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, well, there's been lots and lots of political analysis mm. this week, of course, and that is always aided by some simple, easy-to-understand analogies. So yourself and caller Paddy in Suffolk win an analogy of the week. Oh, these people are so deluded. They are. They really, they don't know what side the, you know, the butter, you know, is buttered. No, your bread is They don't is even know on. what side their butter is buttered on either. <laughs> Nothing worse than getting your analogies wrong. Oh, terrible. Mm. Uh, Katie Perry, a good friend of the show and the namesake of these awards, uh, joined you, uh, Mike, Does this she week in the studio. Yeah, really? she's won the Point Proven Award. You know, the Remainers are going to have to all just go back into their shells and, and, and start putting the avocado on toast again and get the old cappuccino machine out, aren't they? I just had that for breakfast. Did you? <laughs> it's so middle class. What's happened to you? Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> she is. She tries to, you take the Chiselhurst out of the girl or whatever she lives. <laughs> um, we've had a few listeners call in to today to suggest that maybe, Mike, you should be the next Prime Minister. Yes. Unfortunately, for some reason, those calls didn't make it to air. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> it looks like uh, you are making some movements within Westminster. You win the needless brag of the week. Mm. So from. this is a party that's getting on and getting through and probably getting elected without even having a manifesto. And that tells you the state of politics in this country. I've been invited to the House of Lords, by the way, for lunch. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> but sure again, we'll I said that again. with a view to getting the, the, the sort of the, the, the taking the temperature of the listener as to whether I should go. Not that this was a oh, brag at all. I see. Well, um, it didn't quite uh, light up the switch. It's better ball. than that, actually, because I looked at the invitation again and I thought it was just one of these random invitations. They've actually singled me out because of my interest in what it is they're going to be talking about. What, uh, do you know what they are? It's something to do with rehabilitation of prisoners. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, you're always interested in that. Yeah, um, the, I don't know what I don't know what they're trying to tell me. They must have flicked on the show one day. Uh, <laughs> this next award is fast becoming a regular. It's tangent of the week. Oh, yeah. uh, this goes to you, Mike, and the spokesperson for Greenpeace, which should have, uh, for a conversation which should have been about plastic waste. Yes, I must admit I'm not a fan of paper straws. I was in a mm. bar not long ago, um, and I was having a margarita, which is not to say that I'm in any way middle class. And um, margarita I, middle class. <laughs> well, I think if you're drinking it out of a, a a sort of cocktail glass with a straw, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Plus, it was in Borough Market. I don't, yeah, margaritas. It depends if they're in a slush if it's puppy frozen, machine. Yeah, I mean, then the it's pot. not. And yeah. if you're in, like, the downtown Palma, Mallorca, yeah. uh, wearing no clothes. Um, topic of the week now. Uh, um, well, this, this lit the switchboard up like a Christmas what? tree. Uh, <laughs> um, and there's only one reason why. Uh, congrats to Dion in Langley for bringing up the topic of the week. Let's talk to Dion, who's in Langley. Hi, Dion. Yeah, morning, Mark. How are you doing, man? Yeah. Uh, not bad, just Good. making a sandwich. Um, oh, what sort of sandwich? Bacon, bacon and tuna. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. I'm right. joking. No, it's the first time I had one last week. I had a tin of tuna, I had some right. bacon, so I thought I'd get a bit of tomato really? puree. It's lovely. Oh, that sounds horrendous. Have you ever eaten a more unusual sandwich than <laughs> bacon and tuna? Let's talk to Daniel, who's in Epsom. Hi, Daniel. Bacon and tuna. Yeah, that's horrible, isn't it? That's <laughs> it it's is. a sort of mark of the beast time. Somebody called John has actually tweeted me the tuna and bacon sandwich <laughs> recipe. And how about this from Darren? He says, I love a cold bean and coleslaw sandwich. <laughs> Simon says, how about a sandwich shop on Fenchurch Street? It used to sell brie, bacon and toma- and banana. How about chocolate and chips, says Julia? Well, yeah. I don't think so. There's some horrible stuff out there. It I'll literally, tell you what. it took the Prime Minister resigning it to did. get more calls yeah. <laughs> on the subject but this, this week. This is what people like to like to know. What are you having for lunch? Um, and finally, now for a tech-themed period, oh, yeah. it's App of the Week. Uh, any Apple users will know that if you manage to lose your iPhone or iPad, you can use the Find My iPhone app to locate it. Mm. And another brilliant thing is you can. Uh, make the missing device make a loud noise. Quite annoying as well. It's really great. Uh, You can hear it here in action on Matthew Wright's show. Uh, I'm more likely to vote uh, during the summer uh, or a sunny day unless I get diverted by the pub or something like that. Is someone reversing into our studio? I don't know. It feels like like it. A lorry's coming in. Uh, But the the history of... Hopefully uh, carrying our new pay packets vastly increased after becoming talk radio. (coughs) Uh, Number one top show on talk radio. Apparently there's a history of... uh, Fire alarm? No, everyone's looking very concerned through the glass. Are you concerned out there? No, they're waving at us. They don't know that concern. 1997, 71% turnout on a warm spring day. That's okay. wet Blair to power. Uh, 2001, 2005, uh, very nice weather, very low turnout. So there's oh, no real... Oh, apparently, apparently the noise is Mike Graham's iPad. <laughs> oh, there you go. We found Mike Graham's iPad. Mike Graham's iPad is leaving the building. Mike Graham's iPad has left the building. Ray, I'm not the most disheveled old person in the building. Unbelievable. I, I did, I did apologise on Twitter. I apologise again because I was sure that I had taken it out of here and it was out there somewhere. Under a paper. <laughs> oh, brilliant I'll have stuff. to try and take it out today. A great app, though. Um, that's thank it. God I found it. Yeah, thank God. Uh, that's it for the Perry Awards Very this good. week. There'll be more next week. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. 
Well, I think that was very entertaining. Well done, Con. Uh, fantastic first Perrier Awards in the new building. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.